This is the Advocatus Intimitati Podcast with Matt Lohr, Episode 11. Hello, and welcome to Episode 11 of the Advocatus Intimitati Podcast, released on Monday, the 18th of November, 2019. I am your host, Matt Lohr, here with a selection of privacy news stories in the first half, followed by a discussion of web cookies and their regulation under the European Union's e-privacy directive in the second half. A major story broke this week when a whistleblower revealed a secret project codenamed Nightingale between Google and Ascension, a hospital network and health insurer, that involved the transfer of health data on as many as 50 million Americans to Google in fully identifiable form. Google and Ascension publicly announced a partnership within hours of the story being reported by the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights quickly announced an investigation into whether Project Nightingale violated HIPAA, the federal law governing confidentiality of medical records. According to the whistleblower, the project lacked adequate security controls, with Google employees able to access individual patient records. Wow, these are some weighty allegations. Could this be Google's Cambridge Analytica moment? We shall see. Speaking of Google, the company announced that come February, it will no longer offer contextual information about the type of content on websites where its ads could appear, amid ongoing scrutiny of its privacy practices associated with real-time bidding for advertising. It says that this will reduce the risk that advertisers are able to associate bid requests with individuals and present targeted ads. But skeptics are not convinced. Johnny Ryan, chief privacy officer at Brave Software, who make the privacy-protecting Brave web browser, says that bid requests Google issues will still contain enough information about the user's location and content to be linkable over time. Today I want to discuss the GDPR's little brother, the ePrivacy Directive. If you're not in the EU, you may have noticed that whenever you visit a European site like the BBC or the Guardian or whatever, that you see a banner or pop-up talking about web cookies. Why is that? First, I should explain a little about what web cookies are. They're small text files stored in your web browser by the sites you visit. In modern usage, they usually just store a number or a string of characters used as an identification code. They are only readable by the site that set them, and they have an expiration date which can be as short as and until you close your browser, or as long as several years. They were created because the web is what computer scientists call stateless. That means that when you visit a site, then click on a link to visit a different page on that site, the site does not know that those two requests are related. Web cookies solve this problem, which is important for things like authentication. Say you go to your bank's website and log in to their online banking service. When you log in, the bank site will set a web cookie with a session ID. When you then click on another page within the online banking service, the site will use the session ID to find a record within its session data store, which tells it which customer it is associated with, so that the online banking service can display the correct accounts. As the name implies, the session ID cookie will generally have an expiration date of session, which means that if you close your browser and then go back to the bank's website, you will need to log in again. Banks will often also ask security questions on login, followed by a prompt on whether you want the bank to trust or remember your web browser. All this does is set another cookie, 
with an expiration of weeks or months, so that the bank site will recognize your browser on a future visit and not ask your security questions again. So far, so good. So what's with all the banners and pop-ups? Well, remember how I said sites can only access their own cookies? That's technically correct, the best kind of correct, but it may be misleading for less technical users. You see, a website can embed code from any number of third-party sites, and those third-party sites can then access any cookies they previously set in the user's browser. So if the same third-party convinces website owners to embed their code, then they can access their own cookies and order link visits to many different websites to a single person. You can probably guess what that means. It means social media companies, by which I mean advertising companies, encourage websites to embed some code, which then allows the company to track where that user goes on the internet and use it for targeted advertising. Oftentimes sites are encouraged to do this for what is called retargeting, where Facebook uses information on what pages of user visits on a company's website to better target that company's own ads at users. I keep using Facebook as an example, but you could easily substitute Google or any number of other advertising companies here. With social media companies, it's even worse, since they have access to all the information you have shared on the platform in order to better target advertising. What, then, of the e-privacy directive? Well, it's a directive of the European Union, which means it is a command to the member states of the EU to adopt legislation within certain parameters. It was adopted alongside the Data Protection Directive, which is the law replaced by the GDPR. The intention had been to replace the e-privacy directive with an e-privacy regulation at the same time. But lack of consensus means the e-privacy regulation still languishes in draft form with the EU Council. Most of the disagreement is over the rules for marketing communications, which I will address in a future episode. The e-privacy directive does not regulate cookies per se. Rather, it has rules on the storage of information in the terminal equipment of a user of an electronic communication service but as generally applied, it regulates web cookies, requiring consent for those not strictly necessary for the provision of an information society service. I want to know what you're thinking. Tell me what's on your mind. 80s pop bands aside, an information society service is a ridiculous term for an internet website. Since the e-privacy directive's definition of consent refers to the data protection directive, and the Data Protection Directive was replaced by the GDPR, this means that since 2018 the ePrivacy Directive has required opt-in consent for most cookies. A few months ago, the UK's ICO and the French CNIL issued updated guidance on the use of cookies. Of particular note was the guidance on the use of cookies for analytics. These days, countless websites rely on Google Analytics for insights on who is visiting their website and what they are interested in. But as people scrutinize Google's use of data, this has become more and more controversial. By default, Google Analytics shares data gathered from participating websites with other parts of its business and with partners. In the past, regulators like the Dutch Autoreitspersungewin have said that Google Analytics can be used without consent if the site opts out of the sharing. But the UK ICO took a very hard line in its guidance, saying that not only does the use of Google Analytics always require consent, but all analytics, even that conducted using first-party cookies, that is, cookies set by a site directly rather than third-party code on a site requires prior opt-in consent. This is an interesting tack since the latest drafts of the e-privacy regulation make an explicit exception for cookies used for audience measurement. So that is why when you visit the website of a European company, at least one that is trying to comply with its obligations under the e-privacy directive, 
you will receive a prompt asking you for consent for cookies. If you are in the European Union, you'll likely see these prompts on most sites you visit, even those from American or other foreign companies, at least those who target their products or services at the EU. But what if you're not in the EU and you're concerned about your movements on the internet being tracked for advertising purposes? Well, there are a number of tools you can use to avoid that. One which was mentioned in the news segment of this episode is the Brave browser. I've been using Brave for the past three years, and I love it. It's based on Chromium, the open source project behind Google Chrome, so it's very familiar. If you're on a work computer and can't install a new browser, but you can install Chrome extensions, then I recommend DuckDuckGo Privacy Essentials, which achieves the same goal. I also recommend DuckDuckGo as a search engine generally. Unlike Google, they don't use what you search for today to target ads at you tomorrow. Lest you think that I've sold out and am showing for these companies, let me assure you that I have received no compensation. I recommend these products based on my own personal experience and desire to help you, my listeners, protect your personal privacy. I welcome any thoughts you have on these or other privacy-protecting products. Drop me a line at matt at lore.attorney. Until next time, thanks for listening.